once again to another edition of Swing Thoughts. In the off-season, we get together every couple of weeks, and we certainly appreciate you all being with us. Uh, my name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, a.k.a. Golf Spiritual Leader. <laughs> every time I say that out loud, it makes me laugh. Oh, yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy. The guy who once dragged a five iron down Pine Valley Drive to teach it a believe. lesson. Yeah, as long as you believe you're a golf spiritual leader, that's okay. That's right. People say, why did you do that? I said, well, I needed to be taught a lesson. That golf club was wrong. Uh, along with uh, Coach Tim O'Connor, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, blogger, vlogger, uh, soothsayer, webinar leader, thought-provoking. What? Balloon artist. Balloon <laughs> He makes a lovely balloon uh, wiener dog, and uh, we're happy. Birthdays and- <laughs> we're we're happy to be here. We're in a giddy mood because we are excited about an, a new piece of equipment uh, yes. that's uh, going to revolutionize swing thoughts. And uh, on a serious note, uh, we've got lots of exciting news coming. Swing thought people. You know, on the Humble and Fred show, we call people that have heard every one of our shows. We call them Hundy P's or Hundred Percenters. I wonder, what would somebody that's listened to this podcast, would they be a swing thoughter? Would they be somebody who is of the swing thought community? An ST? You know, Howard, let's make this democratic. Why don't we just ask our great listeners what yes. they would like to be referred to as? All right. Isn't that democratic? I like, I like STDs. Swing <laughs> thoughts. Swing thought. Devotees. <laughs> Huh? Come on, come oh on, God. swing thought people. Come up with something better than that and fight me. STDs, that's who we got. Swing thought oh devotees. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Okay, who's the mature one here now? <laughs> anyway, we've got some exciting uh, information and news coming up for uh, our show. We're excited. Uh, we'll just give you a hint. Our uh, title sponsor is returning for the 2021 season. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, give you some details about how that's going to benefit you. It's not just about me and Coach Tim, although it is. But uh, we're excited to be partnered with this great company. That's coming up. Also, we're going to be releasing some new avenues for, you know... Um, engagement. Engagement. Thank you. Avenues of uh, content sharing. Yeah. And uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, that's it's kind of a we're, we're kind of going to do a, a relaunch of the whole brand thing. That's right. We're even I like I like throwing around words like that. It makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we're even going to maybe change the logo. I don't want to let everything out of the bag right now. OK, uh, but uh, with people <laughs> we got people we got. You know what? This is the uh, what is it? The second or third time we've met this week we're doing business okay people yeah we're not just a couple high of guys <laughs> yes at the highest levels of the organization the very high level stuff uh in the meantime staff we are uh recording this program on the 5th of february uh the province is still in lockdown although there's some talk in the next week or so i think that there's going to be some restrictions lifting of course golfers are excited because uh, we're just a couple months away from, you know, golf being played once again here in the Northeast. Uh, one, our guest today, I, uh, I know him from my golf course, Glenn Karen. He is also a uh, 
a yoga instructor, a fitness trainer, and a professional golf uh, person. And our friend making his second appearance here today, Dave Lambert, who has spent the winter. Hi, Dave. Hey, guys. Dave spent the winter trying to get golfers to move better and to uh, keep some fitness level going. I think, though, Dave, this time of the year is kind of like New Year's for golfers because when you can sort of see the golf season on the horizon, you know, I sort of February, March. Do you find that's when golfers start to think about maybe I should start stretching out a little bit, maybe have a have a bit of a stretch? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, absolutely, right? So, you know, we're just past the holidays now, just past the sort of the resolution season. Um, you know, maybe a few of us have put on a few pounds over the winter um, doing the, the hibernating thing, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, so like the start of February, uh, middle of February into March is about the time when a lot of people start to sort of look forward as yeah. opposed to um, looking back. You know, it's interesting you say it about gaining weight. Like I have had this, I've got this system I spend four and a half or five days a week with my lady friend. And when I'm with her, I eat like a normal person. You know, I have sort of normal portions. And, you know, we might have a piece of banana bread after dinner and some tea. Stuff that's green. Yeah, yeah. When, when she's not here, I literally eat Chinese food in front of the golf channel and eat Cheetos for dessert. <laughs> so so my, my balance has been pretty good. Although I will tell you the next time you and I get together, Dave, you know, I, I, I was telling you guys just before we started recording, I've been getting some work done rehabilitation wise for about three months now on my left elbow and both of my rotator cuffs, which are golf injuries. And uh, before I want I, what I want to get from you today, Dave, is a lot of golfers have those problems. And um so when we start to work together again, I hopefully I'll be able to do some stuff. But why are those the areas of injury? In, and I'll open it up to you too, Timmy. Why do you think that is, Dave, that those are areas of concern? Back, shoulders, hips, you know, those are the big ones. Well, I mean, you want to start with the back, obviously. Um, anytime you're... Uh holding an object golf club and moving it around your body at a high force you're going to have a lot of uh, what we call shear uh, across the spine right so um, the spine yeah it's designed to move uh, forward back left right and around Um, but as soon as it's not uh, stable enough to withstand the force you start to get little um, almost like little bumps in the in the chain of um in the kinetic chain like from the golf from the golf ball into the golf club up your wrists your your shoulders your uh torso all the way down to the ground and wherever you're not as strong as you need to be to sort of withstand that force um that's where the injuries can start to occur so it comes down to like a lack of stability a lack of um mass if you will around the joint well how much of is it related to to sitting you talked about the back but there's so much more discussion about people sit, you know, you know, large and many golfers, of course, are people who desk jockeys, et cetera. How does that play into just general, you know, instability and possibly having ramifications for the back? Yeah, totally. Great question. So um, human beings are not designed to sit uh, the way that we've sort of grown, grown accustomed to. Um, if you sit in a chair for long periods of time, your body is going to find it very difficult to find the stability that it needs to sort of keep itself upright, which is why we find ourselves sort of slouching over. Um, you, you might find that if you start to pay attention to the way that you sit, um, that you sort of have a default 
uh, way that you're sitting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and when that happens, guys, um, tissues in your body, particularly your hips, will start to tighten up. They'll start to get short. Um, so when we stay in sort of that uh, 90 degree um, hip uh, position for long periods of time, you know, working eight hours a day at a desk, um, those muscles don't go on anymore. So your brain, your body, they, they, they tell them to just sort of seize and get, and get stiff. So with regards to back pain, um, we often look at the lower back in, in a lot of people and golfers in particular, um, you know, being loose uh, and not having enough stability and that's actually not necessarily the cause of the pain is low back it's actually the hips uh, when the hips not moving uh, the movement you know as you walk as you run as you swing has to be shifted into a joint that is capable of of still moving which often is the lower back um, and then therefore you know if it's not strong enough down there you're going to get uh, led more into injury and discomfort so is one of the things to deal with that is get a stand-up desk absolutely uh you want to be spending more time on your feet for sure um yeah no question about that you know i want to get back to something you said at the beginning of that which is the chain migration of injury we'll call it um to borrow that from another uh part of the world you know the idea that wherever your weak point is and you've spoken to me about this before which is why my lower back you know, it's sort of always a bit tight, but but where I've got injured this last golf season was it was in both shoulders and my left elbow. So there's some instability up the chain that re, that manifests itself in in that part of my motion. And and I'm going to tell you, I, I've really tried hard this winter. I've been doing this physio. One of the things my my Cairo slash physio guy told me is with golfers, the upper thoracic part of the back gets very tight because we always think about lower back as a golfer's injury but besides the hips as you're talking about dave my guy says that a lot of golfers just aren't able to move their upper spine which is as a golf instructor you know by not moving that you're shorting everything becomes shorter and so how do how do we loosen that thing up um well another great question so you know, I always like to look at things from the ground up. Um, so we can, you know, talk upper back, upper spine, all we want. But um, oftentimes, if we're not uh, stable in the low back and we're not flexible and loose in the hips, a lot of the work that we're going to do in your thoracic spine could just be all for naught. Right. Um, you know, we're we're upright beings, right? So whatever's happening below impacts everything that's happening above. So number one, get the hips working best or better or improve the function of the hips to sort of uh, help with that. And that's automatically going to open up the rest of your torso and your chain to be able to access those deeper positions. Um, you know, on top of that, just sort of doing maybe some specific yoga poses, um, targeted stretching, working on your rotation. You it's know, funny. Dowel. I, I mentioned that you're a yoga instructor. One of the things I've been doing, if you're a yoga fan and you're listening, this is cat cow. It's a pretty simple thing. But it's really effective for pushing up and stretching your thoracic spine. It also um, is good for a deep hip bend. It's interesting, Tim, because Dave's one of the few golf professionals that I've ever met that that has a background in sort of kinesiology in terms of how the body moves as a yoga uh, guy. And do a lot of your students, I mean, I, I was already doing yoga when you and I met, but do a lot of the guys sort of resist 
some yoga stuff because they think it's too uh, sucky? 100%. Yeah, unfortunately, we're still in this society where things like yoga, meditation, it's weird yeah. shit. Well, you know? I remember once before Dave and I were working together, he, as as you came up to where we were going to hang out, I was doing my uh, my warm-up on a, on a towel, which is just like, you know, 10 or 12 minutes of some yoga stuff. Because I know, this, I know the parts of my body that like um, the cat-cow, uh, what's the other one I like is... Um, not th- it's it's the uh, longer version of thread the needle. You know when you're on the ground, I can't remember the name of the pose, but it's yeah. a really good deep stretch. And it's funny because I think a lot of golfers, Dave, would benefit from that. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, you know, sort of like what Tim said there. Like it's sort of woo woo and 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 not really uh, mainstream uh, quite yet. But um, yeah, I mean. A- Anytime you can move your body, prepare your body, especially when you can just do it with your own body weight um, and like an understanding of, of what pose is going to sort of affect what, um, you know, that that's always going to benefit anyone before, during, after uh, mm. you play golf. Interesting that we've been focusing mainly on, on the body, but sort of your mental approach is just as important. And that's that ability to do what I want to do. And I don't give a, Frick, what is Frick? What anyone else thinks? That excuse is me, such yeah. a excuse me. Nineteen fifty-seven call. They want you back. <laughs> I know. Frick. Golly gosh! You know, <laughs> we're not on the radio yet. You could say the fucking word if you want to. Okay, okay. But it's to be able to not give a f. There you go. About what other people Ooh, think. Burn. Easy. Now, I know. Tim. Well, it's like our buddy Charles Fitzsimmons. You know, he goes on to the range before a tournament, yeah. and he just kind of wiggles around for a bit, doesn't give a flying fuck. There oh, there you go. About what anybody thinks, but I, I still struggle with it, you know? And I do, like, at my club, there's there's like this, uh, uh, the upper range, there's a big, there's a grove of trees. I go behind the grove of trees, do my little running around workout thing, because I still feel weird doing it. So I got to get over my own shit. Yeah, what's up with that? You gotta, oh, you gotta, I don't know. We don't have time to go into that. We don't have time. Whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, me and my mother, it was a weird thing. <laughs> no, but so much of it is is still, when people talk about yoga, there's still this kind of, for some guys, it's this squeamish thing. But you look at any professional uh, athlete. You see baseball players doing it. You see football players doing it. But it's almost like we need permission from other men, particularly, that this is okay. Because this isn't weird, weird stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an ancient practice. It's 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 oh, the yeah. oldest it's the oldest workout <laughs> that we have, right? So before we had weights, before we had you know any of that stuff, like just moving your body, you know, stably, uh, flexibly, in end range, just getting it ready to move. Yeah, you know, if you if, you know, you talk about self conscious, you know, I I there's the warm-up that Miguel Angel Jimenez does that would be so good exactly. for all golfers. And most of us would be too self-conscious to move your knees that way. But think about what you're preparing yourself to do. You know, even an average golfer is swinging that club uh, in the 90s miles an hour. It's a lot of torque and force on your body. And yet, you know, most guys, as Dave would tell you, because he works at a golf course, you know, get out of the car, 
you know, get their stuff together, go to the range. The, the number of guys I see that are decent players that start with, you know, longer irons or even drivers. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I can't even mentally get my head around hitting a driver for about 40 minutes. Like, I, I just, but, yeah. but Dave sees it every day. And, and a lot of guys, that's why they sort of take a while to get into the round. And they take a while to kind of, but, the, and then their, their bodies don't last for the entire round. Dave, I totally hear what you're saying, Howard. It's kind of like we're driven to take care of our, say, our anxieties first. Get to the golf course. Like maybe today's the day, you know, I, I stop, you know, hitting these dead left poles or pushing it right. So I'm going to try to take care of that anxiety right away. But I think that what I'm going to ask Dave about is, okay, we're talking about the importance of warming up, doing these types of things. How about now, Dave? How would it work for someone to say, start building like these tiny habits? And for the sake of example, when I go into my office in the morning, first thing I do, set of push ups. When I come back after lunch, first thing I do is a set of push ups. So it's just a daily habit that I have. I'm wondering what's your experience with that type of thing and how you can start with that so that maybe you can hit. The, the golf season, you know, with some kind of habits in place that are going to serve you in terms of warming up. Yeah. And that's the longest question I think I've ever asked on this show. Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. No, that's not, um, even, that's not even close. <laughs> uh, Dave, why don't you answer that question if you can remember at the beginning? Yeah. I know well, at the uh, beginning of that question, you didn't have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> That is a good line. I have to. Oh, thank you, thank you, Tim. Tim, Dave, is that you? Because I'm my eyes have weakened over time. (laughs) I can't see anymore. My prescriptions changed since the beginning of that question. How do you like that? (laughs) Oh boy. So I think it just depends. It depends on the person, right? So there's two different types of people. There's people who can sort of drop into new habits pretty quick, Um, and then there's people who need to, you know. You know, such as yourself, you know, you've you've built that sort of routine where you're you're doing ten push-ups or ten squats or whatever, whenever you, uh, or more, uh, whenever you sort of uh, enter a room. Or Tim come was back in, from indicating he would like you all to know he does more than that. Okay, he does more than ten. All right, he has a he has about all a twelve right. rep max. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. Dave, I don't I don't recognize you because since the beginning of that question, I've gotten some dementia. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy my catholic uh, guilt won't allow me to 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 show you the big number that it is so i'll just remain humble and it's fair. a lot of push-ups humble. that altar boy o'connor does uh anyways dave please if you could try and answer the question yeah. because you know, this podcast this, has gotten out of control it's too much okay just a loop just a loop it back loopy um just you know, for, for the, the people who are looking to start new habits, just start small. Just literally do anything. It doesn't matter if it's like, um, you know, two push-ups or if it's like two squats or, or whatever. A, a little tip that I like to give people is if you have a weight um, or a kettlebell or, you know, like a yoga mat or something and you have a, a spot in your house where it can sort of live and be out uh, where you can see it, um, you can use that as sort of a like a mental trigger, if you will, right? So every time you walk by the kettlebell or you see the kettlebell, you just pick it up and do five swings. You know, you, you walk by it 10 times a day, you know, that's 50 swings. That, that, that That's sort of a good way to sort of help you build that habit from scratch and not have to sort of 
um, think about, oh, I've got to do X amount of exercise. I've got to build this big program. I've got to do this whole like shebang. Um, just building little motions into your schedule and sort of using a trigger, um, like a yoga mat or a weight. I think that's a great uh, idea. A really good tip. Yeah, it's like the it's like the magic of compound interest when yeah. you learn as a no, kid. No, it's very true. How a bank works. So it's like so if you did uh, say Monday to Friday, you did two sec two two reps of uh, kettlebell swings of five say in the morning. Then you come in after lunch. That adds up to fifty over a week. That's right. Yeah. Or, right. or it doesn't take any time. Yeah, and it's a lot less daunting than I've got to do 30 minutes of exercise exactly, or, or whatever that is. Well, here's the thing about Lambert is that, again, he's uniquely qualified because of his background in this other discipline to bring a yogic mind, as we say, to the yogic. discipline of golf. Pardon me, sir? I is love it? that. Yogic mind. Well, I'm just I'm trying to just keep you on your toes there, Tim. I, I got to say, get yogicmind.com so yep. if I can save that. Um, the bottom line is, if you're looking for a little bit of a program to get you started, uh, like a lot of people, Dave's at home doing stuff on Zoom. Uh, how do people get a hold of you, Lambo? Uh, they can find me mainly on Instagram at Dave Lambert Golf. And then uh, also through my website, DaveLambertGolf.com. So before Dave goes, you, you know, I guess you're excited because Dave's a big Brooks Kepka fan. You know, Brooks Kepka can't make a cut. Um, he, uh, Tim told me, <laughs> I, I can't stand Brooks Kepka. Uh, got Tim, more cuts made than me. Yeah, whatever. Oh. But uh, <laughs> just barely. Um, you'll be excited to know yeah. that on the second round of the Waste Management Phoenix, whatever they're calling it, uh, Brooks Kepka is uh, looks like he's uh, might be making the cut. Okay, so good news in the Kepka fan club chat rooms that you're part of. <laughs> well, there's about two Fingers of them. Crossed. With, but there's about two of those with three people each, right? <laughs> hey, Dave Lambert, I follow Dave on Instagram. Thanks, my friend. That was great. Appreciate it. Thanks, Appreciate. Bye bye. Talk soon. Appreciate you. Appreciate. Um. You know, for years, golfers have uh, struggled. You know, most golfers, at the time you get to be our age, by the time you get to be our age, I guess you got, like, rotator cuff, tendonitis, lower back stuff, stiff hips. Like, I've been working with Dave to try and do those things, to free up some motion in my hips and to gain a little bit of strength. But I can tell you, these two things have been bugging me for a long time. And I, I, I've been pretty vigilant about my rehab. But I wanted to pass on this. I'm sure some of the golfers listening have heard of this. But it's called platelet-rich uh, plasma injections, or PRP. Mm. And, uh, and I've had it a, a couple of times now. Not for years, but I, I've had it twice now in the last 10 days. And I've got to be honest with you, both of my shoulders today are are very sore slash killing me. Ouch. Because yesterday, what I went, I did, went to a sports medicine doctor, a guy named Sean King, really, really good. And what he does is they take your blood and they spin it and oh. extract. They take your own blood, spin it, and extract the platelet-rich plasma and then they inject it uh, while looking at an ultrasound. Because sh- it was fascinating. I, I love all things medical. Um, even of my own self. So what, what, what you can see is the tear. Like the, I don't, the problem with my rotator cuff problems is they're not so bad 
that I need to have surgery to repair them. But they're just bad enough that they always aggravate me. So Mm. you can see what he does. He takes your plasma and he injects it into the wound or into the tear. And then your own blood supply starts to repair it. Now, a week ago, I had my left elbow done and uh, starting to feel better. But I had the shoulders done less than 24 hours ago. It was tough sleeping last night because you can't take any anti-inflammatory because of the blood. So all I could take was some Tylenol. But the the good news is for golfers, this this is available. It's not free. It's not covered by OHIP. But if anyone's listening and you want to know more about it, I'm happy to... You know, pass on the experience. If you want to get a hold of me, it's humblehoward at gmail.com. And I just thought I'd pass that on. That's really cool. And I'm sure it twigged a memory in me. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, this sounds so familiar to a treatment that Tiger Woods and some other athletes got that a Toronto doctor was doing. And in fact, he got in trouble for it. Yeah. But I can't remember. It had something to do with perhaps allegations of human growth hormone yeah it was uh, that guy in toronto that um yeah. i think tiger and vj yeah it's, it was VJ, human yeah. growth hormone but it have but he didn't have to do with like antler spray yeah something <laughs> like that um but this oh particular thing is uh become routine i had it done for the first time 10 years ago a buddy of mine used to be um mm. the leafs doctor named uh, michael clarfield oh, yeah. and um he it's again it's not cheap it's cheaper than it used to be but I, I, I would say this: if you've tried to, what I did, so November, December, January, you know, two times a week I was going to physio, which again is not free either, and uh, only covered a little bit by my benefits. But uh, I tried for three months to really, you know, you know, talk about getting your reps in, but it just wasn't getting any better. And I thought, you know, I'm only three months away from swinging a club, you know, in in yeah. earnest. Because I haven't swung very many golf clubs. This winter, I've probably taken less golf swings than I have in any other off season, which I think is mm-hmm. good too. You know, yeah, I gotta think because you're such an A one golf nerd. Have you been working with? <laughs> have you been working with? Uh, um, That's great. It's true. Physio, physio, we're all nerds, super geeks. geeks. Absolutely. I used to think I was cool, and then I went, no, I'm just a nerd. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I gotta think you've been working with some physio guys who know golf. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, that made a major difference for me when I started working with this. um, Your buddy in golf. Yeah, Brooke Benny is his name. And, um, you know, he's an RMT. He's a trainer. He's he's working his way up to certifications in um, TPI. He's the trainer of the University of Guelph golf team. So I've been working with him pretty diligently for about two years. And I used to have a real hip flexor issue which I think was directly related to being like a real sit down guy for yeah. years but I've, I've had a stand up desk for about five at least maybe six years and just to connect what Dave Lambert was saying I just started to build in these these little habits of these things that Brooke would ask me to do so walk in the office move your hips this way I got like you know these little uh, band things Yep. just come in and just do uh-huh. a couple things and I get it done in, in, in like 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, but you and do it throughout on. the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just starts to make a difference. And the, the, just like Dave said, the, we're kind of in this culture where, well, you got to go to the gym. You got to do a minimum of 30 minutes. Yeah. And people are thinking like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I got you know, I, I to take care of the kids. My wife's working at home. 
you know, or she, you know, my husband, whatever, you know, we've got all these time constraints. But, you know, it's like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. You're smirking. No, I... <laughs> No, I was just, I was just thinking of all the things you know somebody has to do. Uh, you know, time constraints. You know, like, hey, listen, Pornhub won't watch itself, Tim. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, diminishing your, you're diminishing your standing as the GSL. Like seriously, um, TikTok will not watch itself. No, I was just thinking too, like the name of your trainer, and um, Brooke Benny, Br- Brooke Benny, and uh, you know, it's funny because I. He, I, I just realized there's a song about him. You know? That's another thing, by the way. You can actually hear the music in the new system. Are you hearing the this? The new board you've got. The new board. Yeah. And of course, the famous song, Oh Brooke Benny, Bam a Lamb. Here we go. Hey. Careful with the neck there, GSL. Don't want any injuries. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Guys in Guelph, by the way. Oh, Brooke Benny. Brooke Benny. Bam-a-lam, Brooke Benny had a child. Tim, a noun, a noun, a noun, wild. Oh, Brooke Benny. See? <laughs> it's a completely different podcast now that I can I do I love that. the off mic. Whoa, whoa. You, like, that's, that's, your, oh, yeah. that's your experience there. You did your whoa away from the mic. Oh, well. Uh, all right, so we've covered that. Uh, one thing we uh, sh- let everyone know, of course, this is, a, as I mentioned, the 5th of February. Mm-hmm. And um, six days ago, I guess, uh, the big controversy, or as uh, I like how English people pronounce that, contro- controversy? Controversy? Controversy. Controversy. A spot of bother a, in the, the controversy. The controversy about Patrick Reed. Uh, as I mentioned during the show earlier, you and I have talked a bunch of times this week for, you know, Swing Thoughts business. But uh, we should have the discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I On Monday, I think I told you this, on Monday after the Humble and Fred show, I listened to two podcasts in the golf realm. No laying up. And Hank Haney, because I wanted to see what both of those people, uh, those group, that group had to say. And now the, low, the no laying up people, it was 15 minutes of just, ah, Patrick Reed's a cheater, worst a human dick. being yeah, yeah, yeah. that ever lived. You know, there was uh, uh, Judas and then <laughs> Patrick Reed. And that was like Judas, Hitler, and yeah. Patrick Reed. Exactly. And then uh, that was about 15 minutes, and I thought, okay, I'll try something else. And I turned over to the Hank Haney podcast, which he does now since he was turf from Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. And Hank had a whole other spin on it. And I respected his point of view because, you know, he he's a guy that knows. He's been around Tiger Woods. He's been around controversial players. He knows Patrick Reed's coach. He knows Patrick Reed. And he had a different take. So, I'm just curious, and I'm sure others are, the STDs, are curious. (laughs) You love that, by the way. I know you do. Don't pretend you don't. I I know there's a bit of ennui because I thought of it and you didn't. I know. I know that. I know all that. It's like I'm I'm 10 years old and giggle, giggle, smirk. So, what do you think? What do I think? I think that Patrick Reed did what he just thought was the right thing, the common sense things. Here's Here's what you do. Because I think that's the way he goes through a life. He's just 
he's just a black and white guy. This is what I'm going to do. And the hell with what anyone else thinks. I think it's to a level you used the. It was interesting when we we're talking early in the week. It's almost like not like sociopath is a weird word, but they're they have a different way they approach the world. The compartmentalization. Yeah, that word. Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Yes. Yeah, I, th- yes. I think yes, exactly. Like this is the way I do things. This is and, and so. Things like optics and stuff like that doesn't enter his consciousness. He just has this way, and I think that I don't know. Be, you know, I want to play amateur psychologist, but I think that that he's had some things happen in his life that I would say might mean trauma, or he interpreted it as trauma, and so he's adopted a persona and a way of being that keeps him safe in the world. And so when he goes into things, this is just the Patrick way 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 of doing it does it make him a dick i don't think so it just means he's got a different approach to it i don't think there's any malevolence i, I agree with what you're saying um and, and i want to come back to it if i may but just want to direct the yeah. conversation when you, in just in terms of a golf guy a guy in the golf business <laughs> what did you think of because well, i want to just sort of dissect the ruling a little bit for people and 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 maybe and, and I, don't, I didn't mean to interrupt because, you know, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. We've had that conversation. But, but let's go to the beginning. When, what, are you, what is your opinion of how he conducted the mechanics of that? Because, yes, I totally agree. Sociopathic, compartmentalizing, all that stuff, the way he's had some trauma, all that it has led him to this point. And, and I think it says something about the population, how they react to him mm-hmm. uh, in the sport of golf. But I think he follows the rules. <laughs> you know, he got up, he examined it, he did, he, you know, and people have this thing about he was goofing around with it. He put the T in. That's what you're supposed to do. You mark where it is, took it out, took a look, went, yeah, that's embedded. You know, he asked his bros, the guys he was playing with, he asked somebody over, tell me where it went wrong. You know? Well, you know, you're, you're right. And it, it's what you said in the, uh, the, deconstruction of him psychologically and that um, it's optics you know I, I've never played in a professional golf tournament but I have played in okay so let me hold you there why optics for him like, why I'm, 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 I'm about to tell you okay thank you I'll be patient then <laughs> just a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about to explain it to you sorry it's okay <laughs> why optics is about is, it's happening it's happening now <laughs> Jesus. Tim got up. Tim and I got up early this morning, and we started drinking. Um, uh, why? Because I, I was going to say I've never played in a professional tournament. I've played in hundreds of golf tournaments, and you're sort of the the code or the unwritten. There's rules of golf, and then there's sort of an unwritten code. And and what he did wrong is this: before you touch your golf ball, that's you call people over. Then you don't touch it, mark it, touch it, and take it away. This is in tournament golf. This isn't in everyday club play. Although if you're if you're going to play in your club championship, heed what I'm saying. Don't touch your golf ball until you call someone over and say, hey, I'm about to do this thing. And in all the tournament golf I've played over, you know, 30 plus years, whether I'm the person asking for the ruling or I'm the person about to um, 
adjudicate a ruling. It's just sort of the unwritten code that you call the person over. Now, I'm a little bit reticent to get into the what about Rory? Uh, Again, Rory... Uh, so Rory aside, it'll just muddy the waters. But in, in, in his case, he kind of called them over as he picked the ball up. The conditions, you know, this whole people saying, well, there's no way a ball can bounce and embed. Well, it can. It can because the ground was soft. But where Patrick Reed went wrong is just that. He pulled it out of the hole first and then said, hey, Timmer, come on over and have a I'm going to do I'm going to take this relief. The thing is, if you and I were playing a tournament together and I was on the cart path, I'd say, hey, Tim, I'm on the exactly. cart path, which you mm-hmm. can clearly see my balls here. You don't need to come all the way over. But if you want, here's what I'm going to do. Even right, in that situation, before I picked my ball up off the path, I'd say, Tim, I'm about to touch it. Exactly. And that's the biggest. That. So. So That's, it's the code thing. It's kind of the is, code of professional or tournament golf that you don't yeah. touch it. I I get that. But I think in Patrick Reed's mind, this is just like, this is a black and white issue. My ball is embedded. I think that's how he gets through life. Yeah, I, I mean... I agree with you that, about that. I don't know if that I can't. Who, who knows? Neither of us could can imagine of what course, he was thinking. But that's that's my best guess. But you know, it's, the code thing is a hard one to work out sometimes for because some people don't abide by code. You know, they don't even believe the the law is just in whatever it is. I mean, but yeah, it's it's a hard piece. And the problem is, is this? It comes back to reputation. You know, it's that. It, you know, so we, you mentioned earlier this week. You know, the big Fijian uh, VJ Singh. You know, when he had that foofarar, whatever happened on some little some island somewhere, that has followed him his whole life. Hence, you know, even that antler spray thing. Yeah, and and, and let's let's not be too obtuse for people. <clears throat> what we're talking about, I said to Tim, forty five years ago, uh, VJ Singh was playing some third rate tour in the uh, Pacific Islands and. Uh, I don't even I, I don't even know the story, but it had to something to do with signing a wrong score. It wasn't yeah. even overt cheating. It was just the um, suspicion of cheating. And that's followed him for almost five decades. So that's what's happened to Patrick Reed. Exactly. And that, and that, and, and so let that be a message to us all. <laughs> yeah. Well. Particularly junior golfers. A lot of you. Know, and and uh, I know a lot of every club has these guys who take liberties and you know they get turfed or they get you know hauled up in front of the handicap committee or something like that because this stuff follows you because integrity is a huge thing it's in and in golf in particular i don't know any other sport in which integrity and the view of whether you have it or you do not follows you as closely as it does and this unfortunately is the baggage that Patrick Reed has dragged around since college golf yeah. when a bunch of stuff happened. I, and well, that's funny you say that because Hank Haney addresses that. If you're a podcast fan, go check out Hank Haney's Monday podcast after the tournament last week because he basically goes through every single one of those things that, as he says, that Patrick Reed was supposed to have done, mm-hmm. disproves it. But it just goes to show you that we we live in a world of spin and however patrick's story has been spun through the ages has led us to this point but in actual fact according to hank haney 
Like none of those things are true. Yeah, the thing in with the thing, he, he, Patrick Reed saying he didn't realize he was brushing the sand back with his his backswing in a, in a in a fairway bunker or a waste area. Like, yeah, I mean, to your point about it being black and white for Patrick Reed, I don't think he thinks he's cheating. I don't think so either. Like, I know some guys that know they're cheating. Yes. Um, I just know they know because they. how can you not know? But in his case, I don't. Here's the thing about Patrick Reed that was. I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard me say this on the podcast, but I've said it to you privately. I like the guy. I always. I think he's a. I think he's as tough a golfer as there is out there. He's a, a Ray Floyd kind of golfer. He's oh not gosh, afraid yes. of the moment, you know. And I'm surprised. I said this to you on uh, when we were talking. I'm surprised he's not become a top five player. Because he just seen he won the Masters, he's won ten times. He's currently ranked tenth in the world, and I, I surprises me. But the 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 thing that happened to him on Saturday, it did it screwed with his psyche a bit because the rest of that back nine he played like shit. But he came out the next day and won by five, which as you and I were saying, most people in that situation in that shit storm, they don't break eighty. You know, if you're playing your club championship and you get called by a, some people you're playing with and they give you a two stroke penalty and you come back on the Sunday round, you don't you're you, you shit the bed. You're not going to. But he somehow and uh, I don't know if you watched the Sunday broadcast. I was so I surprised. Yeah, I well, what, it, I, yeah. what surprised me is that Nance starts with Faldo, Ian Baker, Finch and um, Frank uh, Nobolo and they do a 10 minute round table on it. I loved it. Because oh, it was yeah. a serious issue in the world of golf, you know, which is hilarious, you know. Meanwhile, exactly. Meanwhile, they f- bunch of QAnon ass wipes over, you know, they overthrew the. I just kept tweeting to golfers. Do you guys not remember there's a pandemic? Okay, can you? <laughs> Do you remember your some people took over your capital? Um, but in the end, his toughness is what surprised me, and I, I think it was an inconvenient afternoon for CBS. Oh, absolutely it was. And it, and the tournament didn't even become close. It was like, oh, really? Patrick Reed's in the lead? Uh, yeah. You know, and getting better. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Patrick Reed will... Uh, Patrick Reed's just going to get tougher. And, yeah, I think we'll see him in, in more majors contending, that type of thing. I just want to refer back to something you said earlier. We live in a world of spin. We also live in a world of projection. Yeah, it's very easy for people to go. That guy's an asshole. Well, here's the thing I got about that. So you know, it's like a little kid. You know, in the schoolyard, you kind of hold your hand like a gun. You got your index finger pointed at somebody. He's an asshole. Well, you got three fingers coming back at you. Mm. You know. So what we see in others, the only reason we see it because it's in us. And so I just think that it's just so easy in our culture to. He's a jerk. She's a bitch, whatever. It's so, and I just think it comes from, it's fueled by social media, uh, this, this, this culture of kind of instant reaction to things. So we get, we get a stimulus, boom, we, we, react, we react. And I just think that, um, you know, we're just so quick as a culture to, to 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 brand people agree. with things and, and 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 actually you know I hate saying it as a as a quote media person but you know it makes for good stories so maybe the guys on their podcast they went you know 
let's go heavy on the Patrick Reed shit and guys let it fly. Dude, this is good. It, it, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Like the entire weekend, everybody who has a, a Twitter account or a podcast about golf, Brandel Shambly, all of that stuff, you know, I can tell you somebody that's been doing this media thing for a long time, none of that happens. I'm talking about the Golf Channel takes and the CBS decision to do the roundtable and the blah, blah, blah. You know, that's not a spontaneous, organic thing. That's well, you're 100% some, correct. You know, they, they sat down when that happened on... Like, first of all, I think Brandel Chambly is a genius. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody in broadcasting, and I say this as somebody that does this, nobody in broadcasting has the... The sports knowledge, but the, the but the depth of knowledge the guy has oh, about yeah. not just the game, the architecture, the history, the fact that he's able to bring in disparate uh, notions and concepts into like I respect the hell out of the guy is what I'm saying. But even Brandel, as soon as it happens, I trust me, I've been in these situations. Everyone's like, this is the story. Because, exactly. Because I'll tell you, there was no football this weekend or last weekend. Um, you know, all the other sports are kind of in the, you know, the early stages of the season. So this was the story. And, and to your point about, you know, people love to point fingers. It was also something for the golf community to go, oh, Patrick Reed. He's like the he's like the villain in those old movies, you know, tying the damsel up on the, ra- the railway tracks, you know, or he's like the villain in in wrestling. Yeah, it, it, it was it was almost I, I was watching it while I was watching golf. I'm looking at my Twitter feed. Just it just gave everyone something to do. <laughs> it just did. I promise yeah, you in a non pandemic non sort of lockdown year it would have been a golf story but it became a sports story because you know because of what you're saying human beings love to throw you know crap at other humans oh exactly and part of what it's always interesting people go well the media just sensationalize things you know what the media feed people what they want oh yeah really they do and, you know, oh, the media is this, this. You know what? You wouldn't pay attention to your Twitter feed or to CNN or Golf Channel unless you were interested in it. They're giving you what you want. Right. And so one of the things that's interesting, and like you say, it's none of this is organic. Stuff happens, and the producers sit down with the people, and they have their story meeting, and they go like, okay, uh, Nick, you lead off with this, and and seriously they and even you know it's on sports talk shows like Tim and Sid or whatever okay I'm going to take I'm going to be the white hat on this issue I'm going to be the black hat you know you know where it bothers me is uh, and I don't don't want to get into politics but the the thing about the Fox News world or that zeitgeist of the right wing Uh media what bothers me about them isn't that they hold those opinions what bothers me is I know that Sean Hannity knows better I know that Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingraham, they know the truth, but they're doing that show. Again, I've been around this a long time. I've, I've been around talk stations and talk television, and I know that those people I just mentioned, they know better. And what's really evil about them is they, they, even though they know better, they're still fomenting, which is a great word. They're yeah. still fomenting and inciting a certain kind of point of view because it makes them money. And that, my friend, not that I believe in this thing, but that there will be a day of reckoning for those people. Well, yeah. Well, how much, let me ask you, I know that in golf, there's a phrase, we're going to take it on 
uh, it's called the performer self. And when I step out on the golf course, this is the way I am. I think um, Dave Barr, <laughs> I, I know you have to be about 70 years old to remember him. He played on the PGA Tour. Love Dave Canadian, Barr. Canadian guy. Um, Dave had a very grumpy kind of rumpled look on the golf course. Yeah. That was the that was the state he had to get himself in to play his best. You know, and right after, if you gave Dave like five minutes, wow, what a nice man. Tim, what but about, that was Nick, his, look at Nick Faldo. Nick Faldo oh, didn't say anything for 20 years, and all of a sudden he's one of the best golf commentators, because it turns out that's not who he really is. Yeah, well, exactly. Although I was, um, I covered the Masters uh, when he won, twice when he won, and um he was still had this thing about the media, but just anyway, I don't want to get no, no, don't, but I'm, I'm saying rabbit like, hole. When when when, when Faldo's playing mode career was over and he could drop that persona, he was a different guy. Well, that's okay. That's exactly my point. He adopted a performer self, right? So you know, and so it's the same with like you know, you go back to Don Cherry. He had a performer self, irascible, all this stuff. You know, how much time have I got? All that kind of stuff, and very you know, inflammatory in terms because that's what people respond to. Yeah. I remember years. Well, I was a music critic in the eighties, and there's this uh, guy Peter Hamill, and he played in this prog rock band called Vanagraph Generator. I was interviewing him, and I said, wow, you you sing about a lot of extreme things like nuclear accidents, uh, crazy shit with relationships. He says, well, he says, people don't pay attention to subtlety. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no, that's true. You it's know, about I, extremes. T- you know, I'll tell you two quick instances um, of people that I've interviewed that, you know, I didn't, that, that, had, that had such a different persona uh, I can't remember the first one I was going to tell you because I was trying to listen to what you're oh, saying. Good uh, I was trying to listen. Uh, but I, I've had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Gordon Ramsay because I'm a big food guy. I like to talk about food, and, and Ramsay was on my show. And I got to tell you, I had been watching a lot of Hell's Kitchen at that time, and I didn't really know what to expect from the guy. <laughs> I told this story recently about Ramsay. I said, first of all, one of the nicest people I've ever interviewed. Like, you, you know... Just the salt-of-the-earth guy. Just couldn't have been sweeter. Plus, he smelled really good. He smelled rich. That's what I said. I said that to Fred. I said, when he came in, I'm like, oh, that's what rich people smell like. Oh, yeah. They don't smell like the rest of us. You know who else smelled, you know who else smelled great? Richard Branson. He's a rich guy. He's got great, he can afford good soap. Uh, but Ramsey couldn't have been nicer. Until we turned the microphone on, and then he put on the Chef Ramsay persona. Oh yeah, and 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 again, I, you know, I've been doing this job for a long time, and um, you know, I like to think that my on-air character is similar to my off-air character. And as I've gotten older, I think they've gotten closer together. But you know, definitely, it's a heightened version, even on this show, of what I would be like in a 60-minute conversation with you, I may not be as animated. Well, you're, but, uh, it's like any time you get on Oh, I know. Camera, I was going to tell you about Cherry. Go ahead. Okay, but it's any time you kind of get on camera. So I do lots of webinars and things, and I'll, you know, I'll practice. Once it's kind of like, and uh, please welcome Tim O'Connor, there's like a different adrenaline that sure. goes. <clears throat> and so, so, so everything is heightened, but tell your Cherry thing, but... Please tell the pink story. 
oh, okay. of interviewing. <laughs> like we're talking about the real person, yeah, 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 all yeah, that yeah. stuff. That's a, I love that. I'll story. just tell, okay. I'll I'll tell the pink story in a second. I'll tell you quickly about. I've had uh, many occasions, um, professionally to interview Don, but personally, you know, years ago, a buddy of mine and I did a. It's a long story, but was, we did it. We did a. a a tape. This is back when VHS was a thing. And we did a, a funny little 60-minute sports highlight thing, which we voiced over and et cetera. And, and we did it with Don Cherry's company. So I, 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 know, I know him as just a normal, not a normal, but just as a regular guy. And, and after he got fired or quit a couple of years ago at the CBC, I, you know, I'm, I had his number. So I sent him a you know, note saying, hey, we'd love to have you on. Uh, let me know if that's possible. And then one night around nine o'clock, this is a couple days after all of this stuff went down with Hockey Night in Canada. I look at my phone and I go, hey, how you do? I go, hello. He goes, Howard, it's uh, Don Cherry calling. I'm like, Jesus, coach, you don't, you don't have to call me back at nine. But he couldn't have been nicer. He, he yeah. said, guys, he said, Howard, I'd love to come on the show. I just can't do it. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, Don, I really appreciate you calling me back. And that's who he is. He's exactly. just a guy putting on. It's not that it, that isn't him on TV. It's just a version. Um, I interviewed him for Sports Illustrated thousands of years ago. Exact same thing. What a nice man. Very nice man. And um, again, I can't comment on how he smells, but I'm telling you, Ramsey smelled great. Uh, years ago. smell. <laughs> yeah, well, years ago, uh, we, I guess it must have been, uh, we were working at the Mix in 2005. And, uh, you know, we have access to a lot of rock stars. I'd interview the Foo Fighters and all sorts of, you know, Soundgarden and all this stuff. And then we, we got a note, a note that Pink was going to be on the show, the artist. Huge. You know, at the time, she was like number one or two in the world, like the, the lady, you know, Lady Gaga status. And yeah. she came in. We, we had, uh, and at the radio station, you can always tell when the biggest stars were coming in because our studio would just be surrounded with staff. You could look in and watch the interviewers glass uh, everywhere. And, you know, like I'd had Janet Jackson on and then we had Avril Lavigne on and then Pink came on and she comes in with this huge entourage of people. And I've got a at that point, we've got our our staff is like six or seven people, producers and interns and and writers. And then uh, she brings in six or seven people and there's cameras everywhere. And she's got her sunglasses on, and I can just tell. She's like, oh, Jesus, here I go again with some radio morning guys. I understand that because most radio morning people are cheesy shitheads. And um, they are, you know, they just don't. They're not funny. They're all talking like this. Hey, everybody, it's 7 o'clock, and now it's time for some bells. Everyone's laughing, and you're like, why are they laughing? And anyway, so she comes in, she sits down. Uh, the record ends. I go, hey, everybody, uh, welcome. Uh, excited to be on the Humble and French Show. Here's Pink. And everyone claps. And uh, we start talking. And she won't take her sunglasses off. And she's sort of sitting across from me. And Fred is sitting off to my right. And the, everyone's around us. And, and like I said, this, the, the room is ringed with people. And um, about a minute in, or a minute into this, I can think, I'm like, this is going to be horrible. Because she right. just thinks I and Fred are just like every other cheesy radio morning guy. And finally, she's about to answer a question. I go, hang on a second, everyone. I said, hang on a second, because I, I just want to say, I want to get something off my chest. I said, Pink, listen, I, I just want you to know, uh, ever since you came in, I could kind of tell that there was something kind of going on right away. I could feel it. She's like, she sort of looks at me. She's like, what? I go, just want you to know, I'm married happily, 
And uh, even though I can tell you've got a thing for me, it's it, nothing's going to happen. I'm just to let you know that. So let's go on with the interview. Let's get rid of the sexual tension. She starts to laugh because it just disrupted her. Exactly. Just disrupted her enough. She takes her sunglasses off. She looks at me. She's like, the fuck are you? And and then we had a great time. And so and then she would answer questions and we would laugh together. And again, at the end, I said, OK, just just so you know, I don't want to hear from you, even though it would be great. I know I I know you're thinking, what would it be like with Howard? It would be amazing. Pink, you know, and on and on. So that's my pink story. That's great. Well, that's just so much of of. uh my experience when I was a music critic, I don't have a story like that, um, but I would get in an interview with people like, say, David Bowie, Robert Plant, etc., and with few of them, I, both those guys were great, but there'd be some that go, okay, here we go, here's yeah. my sixth interview with some newspaper guy or whatever, and then we start talking, and then the thing I learned to do was I would kind of fake the end of the interview. Mm. Well, hey, well, that was great, man. But yeah. keep the tape going. Yeah. And then once you sort of establish this rapport, and you know, hopefully they would think, well, this guy kind of knows his stuff. He's interested. He did research. He's in- invested. Then you'd start to get some really cool stuff. Oh, you kind of do that Columbo thing. Oh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, just, excuse me, just before I leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, why not just say tricks of the trade here on on Swing Thoughts? Yeah, and the you know, I mean, it's the same. You know, it's the same with, uh, I mean, the, the great thing about doing the podcast, you know, not only ours, but the Humble and Fred show and, and the way we've been able to do our show the last 10 years. Um, when we get a guest on, generally they're on for about 10 to 12 minutes, but the bigger ones are on for around 25 minutes. And unlike when I was on terrestrial radio where... You know, we would have these big stars on, Pink and all these people I mentioned, Dave Grohl, and we would have to do five-minute interviews and then get back to playing a song and then come back and do a couple minutes. Well, now, you know, we we don't even... I mean, it takes me five minutes to inter- to even introduce somebody now. You know what I mean? Like the, exactly. the, the vibe is so much quieter and easier and just kind of eases into it. You know, I'm just trying to think who the... We had a... Uh, uh, somebody pretty famous on recently and and, you know by the time you're doing 25 minutes they just relax you know you relax the excitement of them being on kind of goes away a little bit and then you just kind of talk and that's one of the things about podcasting versus sort of traditional media is that you and I it's our show we can do whatever we want and and the feeling you get from our shows like ours and, and others is that it's like you know this isn't much different than our normal conversation. You know, I'm occasionally looking at the clock to see how much time we've done. But other than that, this isn't different than if you and I were... Like, I don't know if people realize, when we say goodbye to you, you STDs, Tim and I just continue to talk. Like, you want to talk... We should just record that. Okay, I want to end with uh, a guy I want to get on the show. Um, I don't know who he is. I follow him on Twitter. But he is definitely a kindred spirit. And uh, he, his name, his Twitter handle is at Scratch Attitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's written a book. But more than that, I follow him on Twitter because I, I like what the... A, uh, hmm? What an awesome freaking name. 
Scratch attitude. My God, I, I hear that and I go, why didn't I think of yeah, that? Yeah, no, I know. It's a and drag. And slap my forehead. Um, but I just want to, so I, I wow. it's, it's perfect. I, now that you know it, I want you to follow him because I, I go I back, shall. I go back and forth with him because he's, he speaks our language. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a real nerd and he, but he also is a deep thinker about the game. And, uh, so I'll just read you one of his tweets that I responded. This is from a day ago. He says, I see gratitude and frustration on opposite ends of a scale. More of one equals less of the other. So if you often get upset over bad swings, your problem, and then in brackets, on the mental side of the game, isn't accepting the shot. It's a chronic lack of appreciation for the gift of being there. Whoa. And I was like, I love this guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote back, I said, yes and more yes. Frustration is expectations minus gratitude plus a dash of egoic imbalance. How do you like that? From one wow. spiritual leader. He speaks that's why you're that's why you are the GSL so but I love that gratitude and frustration are on the opposite end of the scale and in our last few minutes what say ye about that absolutely when we're in a place of gratitude we're present you you if you're if you're giving thanks to whatever you believe in or just out loud you are present and that is a great place to be um and when I get frustrated, uh, yeah, I'm a human being. Other people are they apparently humans, too. <laughs> That's We're, we're yeah. going to do that. Yeah. But, but it's the awareness yeah. of like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that thing again. I'm getting upset because I've had two, three putts in a row. What do I need to be? I need to be here. So what could I do? Well, I could look around and go, wow, this is amazing. This number seven hole I love. Uh, and these trees and everything. And, I, you know, I might look over at my partner and go, like, he can be irritating, but he tells funny stories. Wait, are you but, talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> Is that me? So, yeah. It, wow. Yeah, no, I love that. So very are we going to need thinker. to do a worksheet? Exactly. Well, very deep thinker, but, you know, I, I am frustrated that I didn't think of Scratch Attitude before he did. But um, anyways, so speaking of deep thinking, just before we go, I was wondering, like, so one of the things that's you know being missed is fans at golf courses, but particularly around number 16 at TPC Scottsdale for the waste management. So why don't they do this? Why don't they do like the NHL uh, and just pipe in some crowd noise? I, I haven't watched any of the golf. Well, that's a good idea, but I, I thought there were fans in that. I, I watched uh, Bubba Watson. Oh, was, was there? Oh, Well, I don't think it's packed. Oh. I, don't, I don't mean that because here's the thing is and anyone listening this weekend will know that I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw this thing Bubba Watson in the practice round took out a driver and just kind of baby faded oh, yeah, it onto the yeah, green okay. and I so then my whole premise of trying to be funny is just like falls away it's just I, I didn't do my research <sighs> I'm frustrated now well listen why don't you just take a moment and feel gratitude about the fact that it doesn't really matter because you're loved People love you. You're a nice boy. <laughs> You're a nice I have fella. You in my life, and we're yeah, doing exactly. This. Um, we had fun today. We did. This was a fun, fun show. Great for the fun we had. Yeah, we had a good time. Lots of fun. Thanks, Dave Lambert. And yep. um, as I said, you know, at the beginning, we're really excited about the new season, the new golf season, and the new. Uh, I mean, the the winter swing thoughts are kind of different. I think we, Timmy and I, have been kind of working together about. 
you know, getting some guests lined up for when we start to do this every week, which is sort of the real season. And uh, we're excited to be uh, involved with uh, our friends at TaylorMade. Yeah, we'll say that. We're going to be involved with them again and hopefully yeah. involving you. There's uh, the gratitude. Listener. There's TaylorMade, gratitude. Thank, thank you. And, uh, you know, sadly, we have to say goodbye. We've, you know, I think 63 minutes is enough. You know, enough swing thoughts for anybody. You know? Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And uh, thank you very much, Tim O'Connor. O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim uh, puts out a lot of content there. And, of course, you can contact Tim uh, for any number of his uh, services. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone come? Any of your golf needs. Okay, you freaks. You can't get Tim over there for no reason. It's got to be yeah, golf. I'm expanding it. I think I said earlier, balloon animals, but also if if your sump pump yeah. is not working, um, we'll take a look at Jeez, that. Jeez, Daddy, that sump pump repairman just made me a wiener dog. Uh, anyway, uh, Tim's services can be uh, engaged at O'ConnorGolf.ca. And uh, for all your GSL needs, go to HumbleAndFredRadio.com. And uh, thank you to uh, all our staff. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next week. Competition in other places.